Hello and welcome to the Yeshua Judaism series of podcasts. This will be another podcast in which I will present proof demonstrating how Yeshua the Messiah, known by his incorrect name, Jesus the Christ, is not God in the flesh. There are many, many different proofs. It's actually easy to show. The problem is that, uh, unfortunately, most Christians and their leaders are not aware of Torah, they're not aware of the Hebraic mindset and uh, the various idioms and concepts within the Torah. And because of that, because they're ignorant of those things, they read the Bible, particularly the New Testament, and interpret it from a westernized, Romanized mindset. And you can't do that with the Scripture. You can't do that with the Tanakh or the New Testament. The Tanakh is the term that's used to define what most Christians irreverently call the Old Testament. And because of the, their ignorance of the Hebraic mind, specifically Torah, and even more specifically in most cases oral Torah, they are unable to properly interpret the Scripture, and again, especially the New Testament. Interestingly, as people come to, when they study and come to the realization that Messiah is not God, they generally, it, it, depending on the person, there's a different thing that may have set off that light bulb in their mind, and suddenly they realized, oh, now I see, now I understand. Certainly, why didn't I see that before? Oh, I, I, and, and then you, they, you feel kind of stupid after that, because you wonder, why did I never see this? And it's always something different uh, that, that causes a person to suddenly recognize the truth that Messiah is not, absolutely not, God in the flesh, and that such a belief is blatant, or excuse me, such a belief is blatant idolatry. Well, one of those doctrines is what we'll be discussing now. It's a discussion of the term called shliach, and I'll, I'll define it within the, in the article. But basically, I'll be talking about how Messiah definitely is God's agent, but he is not the God who sent him as his agent. He is not the God who commissioned him to be an agent. So first, a brief introduction. This discussion focuses upon the definition of an emissary, that is, an agent or representative of God, and will thus help explain how Yeshua, or Jesus, who is not God, was able to do things that people believe only God should be able to do, such as forgive sins. It explains many New Testament passages which appear to suggest that Yeshua is God in the flesh. Christians, lacking an understanding of this principle, the pr principle of an agent or representative, because it is never taught to them, hastily jump to the wrong conclusions with regard to various passages and assume that such passages prove Yeshua the Messiah is God incarnate. For instance, it is common for people to voice the following question as well as others with, with similar implications. Quote, If Messiah is not God, how is he able to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. End quote. That question symbolizes a vast lack of knowledge that persists in the minds of those infected by Rome-derived Christianity's bias and errors, a bias birthed from Torah illiteracy and the resulting standard Christian failure to grasp Torah principles. The entire Bible is written from a Hebraic Torah perspective, and failure to interpret it from that perspective guarantees misunderstanding. Simply put, there is no possible way Scripture can be properly interpreted unless Torah-based concepts are applied. Ironically, this may apply more to the New Testament than it does even to the Tanakh or Old Testament, since the New Testament is largely based upon deep Torah concepts unknown to Christians and their Torah-ignorant leaders. Okay, a very brief definition, Torah. Torah is the Hebrew word for teaching or instruction, 
and it's often somewhat wrongly or poorly translated as law within Christianity and within English translations. It is tragically absent from traditional Christian understanding, that is Torah, due to the anti-Torah position of Christianity. That position resulted from a tragic apostasy, which took root primarily in the 4th century, as Rome kidnapped, overturned, and totally redefined the original New Testament faith, using the pagan, pagan Roman religions of that time as their template. However, to be honest, the apostasy began as early as the 2nd century under Emperor Hadrian. The true and original pre-apostasy faith of and in Messiah, which Rome usurped, is totally based upon Torah. I provide an in-depth definition of Torah and oral Torah within a separate discussion, which I hope to have in podcast form. And it will be a discussion of oral Torah, and it is very long. So it will be an entire playlist of, I would estimate, seven to ten parts. Okay, now the term Tanakh. Tanakh is what Christianity irreverently calls the Old Testament and is an acronym representing the three Hebrew terms Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim. That is Torah, which is instructions, Nevi'im, prophets, and Ketuvim, writings. Thus, the law of the prophets and the writings equals the Tanakh. And I prefer to use the term Tanakh instead of Old Testament. So when you hear me say Tanakh, I'm referring to what most Christians sadly refer to as the Old Testament. And to be honest, Christians, it would be good, and I'm sure make the eternal God happy if you would stop calling his teachings old and instead make a habit of using the term Tanakh. The Torah illiterate interpretations by those who assume that Messiah is God in the flesh because he could forgive sins also applies to issues such as how Yeshua, or Jesus the Messiah, was able to heal, resurrect, or in general perform miracles. It even applies somewhat to his claim of being one with God. Okay, an emissary versus God incarnate. Yeshua is definitely an emissary or agent sent by God, but he is not the God who sent him. Let me say that again, because this really is common sense. (laughs) Yeshua definitely is an agent sent by God, but he is not the God who sent him. That simple common sense statement should be easily understood. However, since it often isn't, I will labor to clarify the principle. If an individual applies common sense, it must be admitted that the emissary or agent of someone is not that someone who commissioned him to be an agent, that is, the one who sent him. The emissary and the one who commissioned him are separate and distinct entities. The simple, obvious meaning of emissary or agent requires this to be the case. I provide an addendum of New Testament passages that is shown in the written version of of this discussion, which is found on the TorahOfMessiah.org website. It's the discussion of Shaliach. And I provide an addendum of passages at the end of that discussion, which presents Yeshua repeatedly stating that he was sent. Please review that information and note how many of the verses come from the Gospel of John which, coincidentally, is the most often used gospel to allegedly prove that Messiah is God in the flesh. Now, for this podcast, for this audio format, when I finish this discussion, I will simply read each of those passages. And it's a lot of passages, but people need to understand how Yeshua so often said he was sent, and not just him. There are other writings in the New Testament where it's, it repeatedly states how Yeshua was sent by God, excuse me, by God. And as I said earlier, the emissary, that is the one sent, and the one who commissioned him to be an emissary, that is the one who sent him, are separate and distinct entities. That's common sense, people. 
when Messiah says he was sent, it proves he is not God. Let me say that again. When Messiah says he was sent, it proves that he is not the God who sent him. Why is it so difficult for those who believe Messiah to be God to recognize this and the many other simple, common-sense facts which prove the same thing, that is, that Yeshua is not God? Yeshua as the agent or representative of God, cannot possibly be the one from whom he was sent as an agent. He cannot be and is not God. Concealed from the Elite Proof that Messiah is not the eternal creator can be easily proven from a basic and simple reading of Scripture. I will accept Yeshua's own words when he says, reading from Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, and this is from the complete Jewish Bible, but any version you look at will basically say the same thing. Again, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. It was at that time that Yeshua said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you concealed these things from the sophisticated and educated and revealed them to ordinary folks. And then from Luke chapter 10, verse 21. At that moment, he was filled with joy by the Ruach HaKodesh, or Holy Spirit, and said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you because you concealed these things from the sophisticated and, ed- and educated, yet revealed them to ordinary people. Yes, Father, I thank you that it pleased you to do this. Of course, He said this, that is, Messiah said this, during a prayer to his God, a prayer to his God. But Christian and even also counterfeit Messianic leaders who distort legitimate Torah principles to fit their God-in-the-flesh bias and to maintain friendly relations with what are sometimes Christian organization benefactors would see Yeshua's words as god Praying to God. So God prays to God. Okay, that's what Christianity wants you to believe, people. They generally provide explanations that defy all common sense, as does their entire definition of a man-God Messiah, which they usually advocate under threat of damnation if you reject it. Fear is a fundamental tactic used within anti-Torah Christianity and distorted Torah Messianic groups who promote the same God-in-the-flesh error. That is, there are Messianic groups who use a distorted, corrupt understanding of Torah to promote the same idolatrous God-in-the-flesh error. Indeed, recognition of the true God and true Messiah are often concealed from counterfeit Messianic and Christian leaders who consider themselves sophisticated and educated, a concealment essentially resulting from their own bias. Okay, now we'll get into the meat of this discussion. We'll discuss the term shliach. The Hebrew word for an emissary or agent is shliach. That's the word. It's shliach. It means emissary or agent. I'm going to quote from an Orthodox Jewish teaching. Now, okay, you Christians, oh, don't don't turn it off, don't turn it off. The reason I'm doing this is because you must you need to understand what is the Hebraic understanding of a shliach or an agent. What 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 is the biblical understanding and definition and description of an emissary or agent? And of course, since Judaism teaches the Torah, now a lot of it I don't agree with, and I discussed that in my Yeshua Judaism versus Akiva Judaism podcast. But be that as it may, I'm bringing this up because you need to understand what is the actual biblical Hebraic understanding. Okay? All right. So this comes from an Orthodox Jewish teaching. Obviously, since it is an Orthodox Jewish organization, they should know Torah. To be clear, it must be noted 
that what I'll be quoting represents the standard Torah view, not simply a strict Orthodox Jewish view. Since the entire Bible was written by men with a Hebraic Torah worldview, what I'll quote also represents the correct biblical view, and not the often false pseudo-Torah view that some counterfeit messianic organizations strive to advance, particularly those which advance their false God-incarnate Torah distortions. I personally found this series of quotes to be quite useful to understanding part of the mission of Yeshua the Messiah. It opens up the mind to consider Yeshua as the shaliach, or agent of God, and of our responsibility to be shlakim, that is to be emissary. Shlakim is the plural of shaliach. And our responsibility, excuse me, our responsibility to be emissaries of the emissary, that is, emissaries of Messiah. This Torah-based and thus truth-based definition of an emissary is very illuminating when one considers the mission of Messiah and our mission to advance the kingdom in which he will eventually be God's anointed king of all the earth. This outstanding snippet gives insight into the biblical concept of both the emissary and the emissary's master who sent the emissary on his mission. After each of the quotes I'll be reading from the aforementioned source, I will also have my own comments. I also have included various New Testament passages, which, of course, are not part of the quotes from the Orthodox Jewish source. Okay, so the definition of shliach. Shliach, and this is a quote from the Jewish source, shliach. The word means agent and emissary. It is a halakhic or Torah legal term for a person empowered by someone else to act in his stead. The shliach first appears in the Torah in the person of Eliezer, whom Abraham commissioned to find a wife for his son Isaac. Rebekah was selected and betrothed as a wife for Isaac by Eliezer. She was legally Isaac's wife without her actual husband having ever set eyes on her or having exchanged a single word with her. In the words of the Talmud, a person's shliach is as he himself. Now, remember that. A person's shaliach, or a person's agent, is as he himself. So the agent represents and is as the person, or representing the person who sent him. A person's shaliach, or emissary, is as he, that is the person who commissioned him, himself. Yeshua was empowered by God to act in his stead. Consider this in the light of Yeshua saying, quote, I and the Father are one, end quote. As God's shliach, Yeshua was acting in behalf of God. Thus, God's emissary or representative was as God, but he was not God. Since he was fully empowered to legally act as God's chosen agent. However, just as Eliezer was not Abraham, Yeshua is not God. It must be understood. Now, you listen to this, because this needs to be understood. That being as God does not mean he was God. Messiah being as God does not mean he is God. This is what Yeshua implies when he said such things as, and I'll be quoting from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 28, 42, and 50. And this is from the NASB. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Then verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. 
For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. And then verse 50. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Notice he does not seek his own glory. Now, continuing with the quotes from the Jewish source, quote, There exists a halakhic, or again, Torah legal model of the evid, or slave, for one who has abnegated his will, personality, and very identity to that of his master, end quote. Now, Yeshua was also God's slave since he totally submitted his will to God's will just as we should. However, he did not submit his identity or personality, and neither should we, unless our personality needs to be corrected. Recall that prior to Yeshua's death, he prayed to his God. There you have Yeshua praying again to his God. Is that God praying to God? So he prayed to God, quote, not my will, but thine, or thy will be done. End quote. And that can be found Matthew 26, chapter 26, verse 39, parallels of to in Mark 14, verse 36, and Luke 22, verse 42. We should submit our will to the same God that Yeshua did, which is not the God promoted by Trinitarians and all others who promote a Messiah man God. Now continuing continuing with the uh, the Jewish source, the quote. There also exists the model of the employee, or sakir, who assumes the obligation to perform a certain task for someone else, but whose personality and identity remain separate and distinct from the personality and identity of his employer. The shliach, or agent, is unique in that he or she retains a great deal of excuse me a great deal of autonomy in carrying out his mission yet at the same time becomes a virtual extension of the person who commissioned him who is the called the meshaliak notice that the shaliak or emissary becomes a virtual extension of the one who sent him but again being the extension does not make him god Likewise, as God's unique emissary, Yeshua did become a virtual extension of God. Note, not a literal extension. Again, this is what he meant when he said that he was one with God, when he said that he came forth from the Father, etc. It is also what he prayed for when he prayed that his followers would likewise be one with the Father exactly as He is. Now, these are important verses. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 11, and then 22 through, excuse me, 21 through 22. This is from the King James Version. Again, John, chapter 17, 11, 21, 22. And now, I am no more in the world, but these, that is his apostles, his disciples, are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. There he is. Notice he's praying again. Is this God praying to a different God? Does, are there levels of God? This is Messiah praying to his God. People, God prays to nobody, okay? Starting, I'll start that over. That's just, that's one of the things that, I'll be honest, I can't get, I cannot understand how people can actually believe that God prays to God. So you, and that's the only way to explain it. I mean, people try to say, oh, well, that's God the Son praying to God the Father, but they also say that they're co equal. And it's still going, it's still God praying to God. It don't, there's no way you can parse it. It's God praying to God. So you either have two gods or you have a schizophrenic God. People use your common sense. Don't let Christian pastors take it from you. All right, that's one of the things, like I said, it really, I can never, ever understand how people actually believe that God prayed to God. 
which that's what you've, you've got to believe that. If you believe that Messiah is God, you have to believe God was praying to a higher God or to himself, both of which are stupid and totally unscriptural. So again, okay, starting, I'll go back to our discussion. The Gospel of John 17, 11, 21, 22. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Notice, Yeshua is praying that his followers will be one exactly as he and the Father are one. And then, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that may, that may, excuse me, (laughs) that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. See, that the world may believe that he was a shliach, or an agent of God. Then verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. People, those are important verses. Does that mean we're all God? If we're one with the Father exactly as Yeshua is, and one with Yeshua, and one with each other, are we all God? And I I actually discussed that in a separate podcast, or will soon, shortly, hopefully, God willing. So I won't go into it, but just be thinking about that. Now, continuing with the quotes from the uh, Orthodox Jewish organization, it's actually Chabad. Quote, the Shaliyah does not abdicate his intellect, will, desires, feelings, talents, and personal style to that of the one whom he represents. Rather, he enlists them in the fulfillment of his mission. End quote. Yeshua did indeed submit his will to Hashem, or God, and Torah clearly teaches we are also to submit our will to God. However, Yeshua maintained his desires, feelings, talents, and personal style. Quoting again from that source, The the result of this is not a lesser bond between the two, that is, the one who was sent and the one who sent him, but the contrary. The Meshaliach, or the one who sent him, is acting through the whole of the Shaliach, or the agent, not only through the Shaliach's physical actions, but also through the Shaliach's personality, which has become an extension of the Meshaliach's personality, that is, the one who sent him. End quote. God, as the Meshaliach, was acting through the whole of Yeshua. He was utilizing the gifts and personality Yeshua the Messiah possessed, gifts which his God and Master gave him. Now, continuing with the quote, the Rebbe, that's a a rabbi whom they have great respect, the Rebbe took the halakhic concept of shelachut, that is a term referring to the being sent, and transformed it into a calling and a way of life. In the five decades of his leadership, he recruited, trained, motivated, and commissioned thousands of men, women, and children to act as his personal representatives and emissaries in hundreds of communities throughout the world. End quote. The Rebbe, as I, as I said they are referring to is a rabbi they greatly admire. And to be honest, I won't go into it here. Some of his followers actually believe him to be Messiah. I won't go I won't go into that. Let's just say they really greatly admire the guy, okay? The same actions can also be attributed to our Rebbe, Yeshua. Though Chabad, this Jewish organization, will probably not dare admit it. At least they won't yet. They will when he returns. Now, continuing with the quote. Intrinsic to the role of the shliach is the challenge to bring one's own initiative, resourcefulness, and creativity to the task. The Rebbe did not allow his shliachim the luxury of mindless obedience. That is, he didn't allow his followers the luxury of mindless obedience to his dictates. Instead, he insisted that Chabad's programs and activities arise from the particular strengths and inclinations of the shaliach and that the particular needs and circumstances 
of his locality. But neither did the Rebbe send his emissaries to tackle their mission on their own. He empowered them to be as he himself, so that a shliach's every deed is imbued with the awareness that he is acting as an extension of the Rebbe's very person, that his thoughts and feelings, choices and deliberations, efforts and satisfactions, while the product of his own prowess and personality, are now, are now serving as extensions of the Rebbe's prowess and personality. And that ends the quote. Again, is this not what Yeshua the Messiah, our Rebbe, King, and Savior did? He did not send us out alone on our missions. We, as the emissaries of God's unique emissary, are not alone and are empowered just as described from that quote. Now continuing with quotes. Never before in the history of our people has one man built a following so large in number, so diverse, so highly motivated, and so successful in the furtherance of his mission. At the core of this phenomenal success is a seemingly benign legal dynamic, first employed more than 3,600 years ago when Abraham sent Eliezer to find a wife for his son, end quote. These Orthodox Jews, for now, obviously refuse to acknowledge Yeshua as Messiah. Yeshua's followers far outnumber those of any Rebbe, despite the fact that many who think they are following Messiah actually are not. Now let us discuss a similar Torah-based fundamental, which describes the Shaliyot principle from a slightly different and possibly more understandable perspective, and it further clarifies Yeshua the Messiah's role and mission. Okay, so now we'll begin to discuss the law of agency. I notice, notice that, the law of agency. Additional information useful for understanding a Shiliak is found in the Jewish Encyclopedia, page 232. It describes the Jewish law of agency. Now, I provided a link in the written format, but you can Google that or look that up. The Jewish Encyclopedia is actually online, and you can look for and search, search for the Jewish law of agency. The law of agency is defined as, and this is a quote, the law of agency deals with the status of a person, that is, the person known as the agent, acting by direction of another, that's the person known as the principal, and thereby legally binding the principal in his connection with the third person. The person who binds a principal in this manner is his agent, known in Jewish law as the shaliach, one that is sent. The relation of the former to the latter is known as agency. The general, and this is the point, people. The general principle is enumerated or enunciated thusly. A man's agent is like himself. Notice that. This is the general principle. A person's agent is like he himself. That is, if I have an agent, if I send someone as an agent, that agent is like me. Wherever he goes, he is representing me. But guess what? He is not me. He's simply representing me and fully empowered to do so. Yeshua, as the agent of God, is fully empowered to legally and completely represent God. Being the agent or shaliach of God is one way that Yeshua is like or in the likeness and image of God. However, just as the agent, that is the one who is sent, is not the principal, that is the one who sent him, Yeshua the Messiah is not God. Yeshua, the sent one, is not the God who sent him. Okay, further quoting from the Jewish Encyclopedia. The term appointment. Appointment. Under the Jewish law, an agent may be appointed without the formality of writing, that is, by spoken words, and witnesses are not needed to give effect to these words. 
except to prove, in case of dispute, that authority had been given and the extent of such authority. The standard authorities draw this conclusion from the remark in Kedeshim 65b, which I won't mention what that is. That's basically Brother Talbot. That witnesses are needed only to meet denials. Witnesses are needed in such a case only when people are denying the person is a witness. And then continuing, an agent may support, may appoint a sub-agent. And that ends those quotes. The apostles and we who continue to spread the good news of Yeshua's rule and the kingdom of God are sub-agents sent by Yeshua. Another quote, it should be also noted that a shaliach has the emissary status revoked either by failure or by death, end quote. Well, guess what? Yeshua did not fail, and he continues to live due to his being resurrected by his God, the one and only true God. Therefore, he is still the shaliach of God. In other words, he neither failed and he's not dead. So his emissary status was not revoked. Now, people could say, well, he did die, well, but he came back. He's resurrected. And so his status is still in force as the agent of God. All right. So a common sense conclusion, people. And then I'll go into quoting various passages from the New Testament where it is shown that Yeshua is indeed the Shaliach, or agent of God. All right, conclusion. So there you have it. Yeshua is the Shaliach. He is the emissary or agent of God, but he is not God. He is not the God who commissioned him as an agent. Since he is the fully empowered agent of God, he has the power to, for instance, forgive sins, to heal, to resurrect, etc., but his power does not prove him to be God. All it proves is that he is fully empowered by God. Each true follower of Messiah is to go forth as an agent of the agent, as a shaliach of the shaliach. We see examples of this in Yeshua's apostles who, after being chosen as agents to spread the message of Yeshua Judaism, went out healing many people and boldly spreading the true Torah faith of and in Yeshua. Now, after I quote shortly various passages, most, of whom, most from the mouth of Yeshua himself, it should be obvious that Yeshua is indeed the Shaliach, the sent one, the agent of the Almighty God, but he is not God. A thought occurred to me as I was reading through the Gospel of John. Interestingly, Christianity presents John's Gospel as one of their primary alleged proofs of Messiah's deity. However, they misrepresent the truth because what the Gospel of John actually presents is the evidence proving that Yeshua is the Shaliach of God, it's not evidence proving that he is God. The Gospel of John, if properly read, it's simply showing and screaming, Yeshua is the Shaliach of God. Yeshua is the agent of God. It's not, it's not proving or showing him to be God. And if people understood oral Torah, particularly the deeper aspects of Torah, they would realize the Gospel of John does not, does not present Yeshua as God. I am now convinced that a primary purpose, possibly the primary purpose of John's gospel, was to prove Yeshua to be the sent one, that is, the shaliach or agent of God. The many verses that I'm about to begin to read noticeably proves that to be the case. Indeed, John implicitly states that as being his primary purpose for writing his gospel when he quotes Yeshua summarizing his purpose and the way to eternal life. This is a very important passage in the Gospel of John. John chapter 17, verse 3. And I'll be quoting from the King James Version. 
Again, John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Please ponder intently Yeshua as the Shliach of God. The key to understanding Yeshua's mission and position lies in an understanding of the term Shliach, or agent. May God open minds and spiritually blind eyes to the truth so that others will finally become fellow emissaries with Messiah. Okay, now, I'm going to read through a number of passages, and I'll quote the passage. I'm not going to give the particular version uh, or that I use for these. I'll simply quote the New Testament passage location, and then I'll quote the passage. And notice, every one of these are to illustrate how Messiah is the sent one of God. And again, the one who is sent cannot be the one who is sending. Those are two distinct entities. However, a shaliach or agent is as the one who sent him in terms of representing the one who sent him. So Yeshua, as the fully empowered agent or shaliach of God, may appear to have the power of God because God has fully empowered him. But he is not God. He was sent by God. All right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Mark 9, verse 37. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Luke chapter 9, verse 48. And and said to them, that is, Yeshua said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Now Luke chapter 10, verse 16. And notice, sent me, sent me, sent me. He's stating over and over that he was sent. Luke 10, 16. And I know a lot of Christians will say, well, yeah, we know he's sent, but he's still God. That's not possible, people. The one who is sent, the the very fact that he is sent by God is direct proof he is not God. All right, so Luke chapter 10, verse 16. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John chapter 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from life into life, or excuse me, from death into life. I'm sorry. John chapter 5, verse 30. I can of myself do nothing. As I Now, all these are words, all these are from Messiah. These are quotes from Messiah. If it's not from Messiah, I'll say so. So just assume every passage I'm reading are statements directly from the mouth of Messiah. All right, again, John 5, 30. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John chapter 5, verse 36. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father himself who sent me 
has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John chapter 6, verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. John chapter 6, or excuse me, chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus answered and said to them, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. John chapter 7, verse 28. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself. But he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. John chapter 7, verse 29. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. John chapter 7, verse 33. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. John chapter 8, verse 16. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. John chapter 8, verse 18. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. John chapter 8, verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. John chapter 8, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please him. John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. John chapter 9, verse 4. Must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. John chapter 11, verse 42. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And he was praying again to his God in those passages. John chapter 12, verse 44 and 45. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he, he who sees me sees him who sent me. Now understand there that to see, that means to understand. That's the idiom to, as, that refers to understanding. It's like when you're discussing with someone, you say, do you see now? You're trying to explain something. Do you see now? What you're meaning is, do you understand now? That's what that means. Okay, when he says, he who sees me sees the Father, he, he means understand. Okay, John chapter 12, verse 49. For I have not spoken on my own initiative, or excuse me, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. John chapter 13, verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. John chapter 14, verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me, John chapter 15, verse 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me, John chapter 16, verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where are you going? John chapter 17, verse 18. As, and again, he's praying to his God here. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. See, there you have the Shaliach appointing sub-agents, the agents appointing sub-agents there. John chapter 17, verse 21. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. John chapter 17, verse 23. I, and again, 
he's praying. All these John chapter 17 verses is when Yeshua the Messiah is praying to God. Is that God praying to God, people? Please use common sense. Of course, it's not God praying to God. God does not pray to another God or or to himself. Okay, John chapter 17, verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And John chapter 17, verse 25. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And finally, John chapter 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So that ends the discussion. And this is actually a very important issue. If you, ha- if you didn't understand it, I suggest you listen to this and understand the concept of a shliach, an agent or emissary. Yeshua the Messiah was the agent of God. An agent is as the one who sent him. That's why there are passages in the New Testament that appear to present Yeshua as God. No, that's not what they're doing. What they're doing is showing him to be the sent one of God, who is fully empowered by God, thus fulfilling the definition of a shliach. So, thank you for listening, and again, this is actually an important topic, and therefore, if you didn't understand it, the first listening, please listen to it again. It really is important to understand Yeshua as the sent one of God. And you notice how many of those passages I just read are from the Gospel of John. That's why I firmly believe that a primary purpose of the Gospel of John was to present and prove Yeshua to be the sent one of God. It was not, as Christianity teaches, to prove Jesus or Yeshua to be God. No, John was simply showing that Yeshua is the Shliach, or agent of God. He was not showing him to be God. So thank you for listening, and goodbye.